0: Lord, we thank you for uh, everything that you've given us. We thank you for this time that we can meet here at the property of the church. Uh, and Lord, we thank you that you have enabled us to, uh, to have a service like this. God, that, that we'd be able to send this out over FM broadcast, to put it on our website, uh, to contact Uh, uh, those in the church that aren't able to be here, God, we know that you are orchestrating all of this and you're in the middle of all of this. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray that as we move into this time of opening your word that you would speak to us, God, that, that you would be here, that we would have our hearts open to hear you and have our eyes open to see you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Before I read scripture, I just want to say I am excited to do this live. You don't know how hard it is to preach to a phone. (laughs) It is, you push record, and then you start to go, and you think, should I start over? And so then there's an awkward pause, and you start over, and then so you try it again. And even our secretary, Randy, when I told her how hard it is, she printed pictures of you guys, and she said she tried to put them, put you where you usually sit, and it sort of worked, but everybody's eyes were open, they weren't sleeping, so this is, this is better. I'm, I'm glad to be doing this uh, here live today. Uh, if you want to follow along, I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 14 through 25. Ezekiel 11:14 through 25 Then the word of the Lord came to me saying Son of man your brothers your relatives your fellow exiles and the whole house of Israel all of them are those to whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said go far from the Lord this land has been given to us as a possession Therefore say thus says the Lord God Though I had removed them far away from the nations, and though I have scattered them among the countries, yet I was a sanctuary for them a little while in the countries where they had gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. When they come there, they will remove all of its detestable things and all of its abominations from it. And I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people, and I shall be their God. But as for those whose hearts go after the detestable things and abominations, I will bring their conduct down on their heads, declares the Lord God. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, And the glory of God of the God of Israel hovered over them. The glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain which is east of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God to the exiles of Chaldea. So the vision that I had seen left me. Then I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. Question uh, We have here from this passage is where do you worship? Not, not, not you personally, because we can worship wherever we want, but maybe a better question that this passage poses is where is the proper place for worship? Where, where is, if somebody said, where is the proper place to worship God, what location would you give them? I want you to think about that, because this is a question that I think Ezekiel is asking, not just in chapter 11, but from the outset of the book of Ezekiel. He has this in the back of his mind, because the book of Ezekiel is about God removing his people from the proper place of worship. You see, for the Israelites, the proper place of worship was the temple. You, you could go to other places to read the law, you could go to other places to maybe commune with God, but if you truly wanted to worship, if you wanted to have your sins forgiven, if you wanted to give a sacrifice to God, you went to the temple. And and more importantly than just you going to the temple, the temple had a set of employees called priests. And they were there to make sure that if you came in to worship God, you were doing it properly. And so you would walk in to worship God, you would have your animal to sacrifice, and the priest was there essentially with a how-to manual or, or a to-do book called the Book of the Law, and they were making sure that you were sacrificing to God appropriately. They would look over the animal and make sure that it was clean, that you weren't just giving God the worst of your flock, but that you were giving God the best of your flock. They were there to make sure that you went through the prayers and the sacrifices uh, exactly how you should. And not only that, when the whole nation came together on the Day of Atonement, the day that the whole nation would sacrifice to God together. It was the priests that were invited into the Holy of Holies, the very place that that they believed that God was enthroned. He was enthroned on the Ark of the Covenant. And so you would go in through one big room and a little bit smaller of a room to an even smaller room, and you would go in there to meet with God on behalf of the nation. So if you were to ask Ezekiel, where is the proper place to worship?, he right off the top of his head, he say, "Oh, that's easy, the temple. The temple is the proper place to worship." And Ezekiel is a new priest. He's been a priest in training. He's now in his 30s. He is now able to take over the temple duties all on his own. And when he hits the age of 30 and he's able to take over the temple duties all on his own, God removes his people from the temple from Jerusalem from the land that he's given them as a possession and brings them into exile. So so to give you an idea of of what kind of problem Ezekiel is grappling with, uh, imagine that you are training to be a doctor and you're going to be a surgeon and you spend years and years training to be a surgeon. Where's the proper place to do surgery? Hospital. Can you do it in your living room? you could, most doctors would not recommend it. And so imagine going through all those years of training to become a surgeon, and then the year that you graduate and you're allowed to do surgery all on your own, the hospital closes down and you're removed from that city. That's what Ezekiel is going through. He has just trained to lead the people of Israel, the people of God, in proper worship. And God says, I'm removing you from this land. So there's a problem. How do we worship God? I, and Ezekiel is probably saying, I know how to worship God. You go into the temple and you offer sacrifices according to the book of the law. But now he's being removed from that temple and he's asking the question, God, how could you call me to be a priest? How could you call our people to proper worship when you're removing us from that place of proper worship? Well, some people thought they had the right idea. The ones that weren't going into exile, that stayed in the city of Jerusalem to fight the Babylonians and and to keep the land for themselves, they had it in their minds Well, if God is removing them from the proper place of worship, it must be that he doesn't want them to worship him. He wants us to stay here on the land and worship him. And they even had a phrase that that you read earlier in chapter 11. They say that this city is like a big cauldron or a big pot of stew and we're like the meat. And we're going to be protected from all the flames and the fire that's around that big pot, that big cauldron. And the exiles, they're like the meat that's falling over the side, falling into the fire. God doesn't want them. God doesn't care about them. He's removing them because he doesn't care about their worship. We're going to stay here and we're going to have proper worship with God. He's given this land to us as an inheritance. And God immediately slows down that thought process and lets Ezekiel know those are not my people. And he says, you think you're a pot, or you think you're meat in a cauldron or meat in a pot? Uh Uh-uh, I ain't saving you. I'm saving these people. And what he gives to Ezekiel, Ezekiel are three promises as they are being driven out of the land by the Babylonians. The first promise to Ezekiel is, he says to them, These exiles, the ones that I am taking out of the city, that I'm taking out of their land, away from the temple, those are your true relatives. Those are your true brothers. Now think about this concept with Ezekiel really quick. Ezekiel is a priest, which means he is a priest through the line of Levi and Aaron. His family is the priesthood. And what God is telling him is all of those priests that are staying behind in the temple that think they're safe, that's not your family. Your family is actually the ones that I am removing. And so Ezekiel, I can only imagine what he's going through. Again, think, think a surgeon that isn't allowed to perform surgery at the hospital. Or maybe think of a mechanic that has all of the skills to fix your car and no garage and none of the tools. That's what Ezekiel is going through, and God says, don't worry about that location or the people that stay in that location. I'm going to discipline them how I choose to discipline them. Your people are now the ones that I am sending you into exile with. And think for a moment, too, the view that everybody else has on those exiles. I mean, Ezekiel's being told by the people of the city that, that the exiles are the evil ones. The exiles are the ones that nobody cares about, God doesn't care about, and God is telling Ezekiel it's the other way around. So now Ezekiel is actually having to fight this whole culture that says because they're not worshiping in the proper place of worship, they must not be God's people, and God says to Ezekiel, actually, it's the other way around, and I need you to tell them that. I need you to go and tell the exiles That even though I'm removing them, it's actually to save their lives and they're the remnant that I'm going to bring back to this land. Oh, and by the way, I also need you to tell the ones that are in Jerusalem that think they're safe, I need you to let them know that they're not safe. Ezekiel's promise is that his relatives, his brothers, his sisters are the ones that God goes with. His brothers and sisters, his people, are the ones that God is choosing. Not man, not him. The second promise that God gives Ezekiel to give to the Israelites that are being uh, thrown into exile is that they're going to return. And, and this is the wonderful thing. As you go through uh, all of the prophets, when God tells them, you're going to be exiled and I'm sending destruction... God also says, and I'm going to bring you back. So God is letting his people know, I'm sending you away. You're going to live for a few generations outside of your land that I've given you, but I will bring you back. God is up front about the purpose of the exile. It's discipline. And he says, I'm going to send you to exile, but it won't last forever. At some point... He doesn't say when. He says, I will bring you back. And, and here's an even greater promise. Within that promise, not only am I going to bring you back, when you come back, you're going to remove all of the things that made me send you away in the first place. All right, so what sent the Israelites out into exile? It was sin. It was because they weren't following The law. They weren't following the procedures of proper worship in the temple. They had idols in there. They had places of idolatry throughout the whole land. They were offering evil sacrifices to God. And God says, when you're done with the exile and you come back, your heart is going to be so changed, you're going to remove all of those things and you're never going to want to do it again. So what God is promising Israel is, when you go into exile and endure this, when you come back, You're not going to do it again. Well, what does that mean? It means I don't have to send you away again. You're going to change your behavior. But then, what God also promises when they come back, not only are they going to change their behavior, not only are they going to remove the detestable things out of the temple, but God is going to give them a new spirit of unity among them. Think about that promise. Israel had divided into two nations. They had two different sets of kings. They had two different lands. And both lands claimed this is the land that God has given us. God is on our side. God isn't on your side. And God says, when I bring you back, I'm going to give you a new spirit of unity where you're going to get along, work together, and worship as one body. You're going to worship as one people. And then, to top it all off, he says, that heart of stone that you have, that, that heart of stone where you don't care what I have to say, where I send you my prophets and you kill the prophets, that heart of stone that does whatever you want to do until something bad happens, then you want me to save you, I'm going to remove that completely. And how it's translated here is, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Another way of putting it, I'm going to give you a tender heart. You're actually going to care about me, is what God is saying to his people. God is going to transform them into the people that he's called them to be. And then he'll bring them back to the land, back to build a temple, back to worship him. And the third promise that God gives, I, I think, is the most incredible promise. He says, I Will be your sanctuary. I'm not sure, so you can look it up, and if you need to correct me, I'm okay with that. But I think this is one of the only times where God refers to himself as a location. The Israelites have such a concept that worshiping God requires one location in a fixed position. And so Ezekiel doesn't know how to handle his priestly duties when he says, you're going to exile us, I don't have a temple to sacrifice in, how are we going to worship you? And God says, don't worry about the location, I am your location. I am your sanctuary. Wherever you go, I am going to go. I will be there before you even arrive. Don't worry about the temple building that is right here. Worry about where I'm at. And the vision that Ezekiel is given at the uh, outset of his prophetic ministry is this vision of the temple throne being hoisted up by, by angels and wheels being attached to the bottom of them. It's, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of a goofy image. But the image is essentially that the angels are lifting up the throne, putting wheels on the throne, and God sits on his throne and says, we're going to go that way. And the angelic beings move God in that direction. Why is this important? Well, first of all, God isn't leaving his throne to be with his people. When God stays with his people, he's still God of the universe, he's still king of kings and lord of lords. He's still the creator of everything. He is still their God. His authority is going with him, thus it's going to go with them. So even though they're going to be in another country scattered abroad, God is going to be among each of them as if though the temple building is right in their backyard. And what's also important is if, it, if, if the throne goes that way with his people, It's going to come back this way when his people return. God is trying to let his people know that the location doesn't matter. That worship is wherever God calls them to be. And I'll be the first to admit, we have a tendency to take this for granted. You know, we have 2,000 years of Christian history and theology to help us understand what it means to be the church outside of this building. Ancient Israel didn't have that understanding. There's a reason when you read through the book of Genesis, when something good happens, what do they do? They get a pile of stones and they build an altar. They set an altar up so that something can be sacrificed there because the mindset is, if God met me in this location, I need to preserve it because he's going to meet me in this location again. And then, and then when they leave uh, uh, Egypt during the Exodus, what do they make? They make a tent of meeting. They make sure that there's a fixed location that can be built wherever they go, that God can come down and meet with his people. And then when they get into the land, God says, I need something besides a tent. L- let's build a temple. And so Solomon builds the temple. That's a fixed location for Israel The mindset is if you want to meet with God, he's got to give you a location to meet with him. And God says, you guys had it wrong all along. I go where I want to go. I'll meet you when I want to meet you. And if I send you in that direction, my throne has wheels and I'll get there before you. I am your sanctuary. So where do we go from here? Well, first of all, we need to address the issue of difficulty. Because the Israelites are going through exile. They are being forcibly removed from their homes and sent to other countries to live among other people. And God has proclaimed to them that it won't last forever, and he's going with them. If you're going through times of difficulty, you need to know that God hasn't abandoned you. We need that reminder sometimes. And maybe not just for our personal life, maybe we need that reminder to remind somebody else that times of difficulty doesn't mean that God has booted you out of his family and once you've learned your lesson, then you can come back and then you can play nice with everybody. Times of difficulty, you might need to ask the question, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? what are you trying to get me to learn? What are you trying to change in my life? But understand that God is there with you while you're going through that time of difficulty. His throne has wheels. He's with you in those times of trouble. And then on top of it, it's not going to last forever. This is a promise that he gives his people. It's a promise that he gives us. Time of difficulty, times of tribulation, times of turmoil are fleeting when you compare it to the time of eternity that we're going to have with God. What does Paul say? Our present suffering is not worth comparing to that which is waiting for us in heaven. So your time of difficulty is not going to last forever, and God is with you through it. Second of all, and we've sort of touched on this, God is not a fixed location. Now, I was wondering if I wanted to address this, because I am absolutely sick of hearing the words coronavirus, COVID-19, new normal, okay, mask, all of it, social distancing. I'll stop saying them. But, you know, in these last two months, we've had to experience what it means to be booted out, out of our place of worship. I think if you would have asked us three months ago, where's the proper place of worship, we probably would have said, you can worship God anywhere. God is with you wherever you go. But then we think, man, I can't wait for Sunday. Can't wait to get into that church building. And I see it in the lobby. I see it in the parking lot. I hear it when, when we call people to see how they're doing, if they're not able to come, and, and we ask how the service was. I hear the excitement. But these last two months, we've had to do it from home. And in fact, some of us still do have to do it from home. And you know what I've learned in that time? God's throne has wheels. Now, I will say, I kind of like waking up, staying in my pajamas and listening to the message. I like having a cup of coffee in my living room. That's nice, but we did something six weeks ago that I've never done, and it was incredible. We had communion. But not together, but together. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense to me. We somehow all partook in communion at the same time together, yet we weren't in the same room. That's an example of God going with his people and being with his people, and that's an example of God not being in a fixed location. God goes with us wherever he sends us. But what else is that God is not in a fixed moment? God is not in a one moment that you had with him. God is always with you. Let me expound on that. Sometimes we go through milestones in our Christian life that were so amazing. It was a time of growth. It was a time of meeting with the Lord. It was a time of experiencing fellowship in incredible ways. And then we move on from that, and God is leading us to another moment in our Christian life. And sometimes we look back at what we experienced, and we want to replicate it we look back at the experience we had and we want, it, want to have it again. And so sometimes when we ask, what's the proper mode of worship? What's the proper way to worship? We start to lay out a formula that actually matches maybe the best worship service we've ever experienced. Or, or we start to list all of the great things about this last church and all the great things about this church. So now if we can just add up all of the wonderful moments that I've had in my Christian life and put it into this This church, well, now we have a proper mode of worship. You understand the problem in that? You're trying to fix God to one location. You're trying to fix God to one moment in your life and trying to get him to replicate that over and over when God is probably ahead of you. And God is trying to pull you to another moment in your Christian life. And he's trying to get you to experience him in new and awesome ways. So now what we're left with is still that question. Where's the proper place to worship? Where is, if somebody asked you now, where is the proper place to worship as a Christian? The answer is, wherever God leads me. Wherever God sends me is the proper place of worship. And part of our Christian growth is understanding that every moment of every day is proper Christian worship. Every time you interact with somebody, that's fellowship with God and with whoever you're interacting with. The proper place of worship isn't a fixed location. It's not a fixed moment in time. It's wherever God is leading you. Whether it's here in this building whether it's in the parking lot, whether you've got to listen to this over a recorded message, the proper place of worship is where God is and where he's leading us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you go ahead of us. We thank you, God, that you prepare a place for us to worship, and we thank you, God, that that you call us in all sorts of times to worship you and to speak to us. So God, we pray as we leave this place that you would go before us, that you would go on out ahead of us, go, go back to our homes and prepare that place as a space for worship. Go to the grocery stores, go to the parks ahead of us and prepare those places as spaces of worship for you. God, we pray that as you lead us out, you would continue to remind us of your presence and your everlasting love. Amen.